When exploring the Hall Mills murder case, of course the primary focus is on Edward and Eleanor. But the cuts run much deeper than just the two of them. Thou Shalt Not explores the perspectives of the women that history often boxes in, misinterprets, or flat out ignores. The show plays off an idea that the trial and case was a circus. Circus. Class. Thrilling. Salacious. One hell of a ride. Blatant. Lies. Despicable. Scandalous. Whore. Sexism. It isn't a ghost story. It's a human story. Hello, I'm J.M. Meyer. Last year, my theater partnership, Thinkery and Verse, began collaborating with the Church of St. John the Evangelist, the home parish of the minister and the choir singer, to present Thou Shalt Not, a resurrection of the infamous Hall Mills double homicide. We're going to bring back the play, but as part of our preparation, we're going over the material, the evidence, with you, our listeners, with That's How the Story Goes, the Hall Mills Murders podcast. In 1922, this little church had shot to fame. Sadly for double homicide, yes, that is a shame. The rector was a naughty cad, married the richest woman in town. But he also licked soprano toes and a little more up and down. Yes, that's how the story goes. That's how the story goes. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for the bittersweet final installment of That's How the Story Goes, the Hall Mills Murder Podcast, brought to you by Think Reinverse. I'm your host, Johnny Kavanaugh. And I'm your other host, Caitlin Normarod Hudson. As we mentioned the last time, this episode is going to be something of an epilogue or a, a bookend to our story. We've gone through the case details, the trials done and dusted, but what happened to everybody after that? Exactly. This week, we're going to tie off all those loose ends and tell you as much as we can about everyone involved as their lives went on. Yeah, and the first person we're going to cover is the infamous pig woman, Jane Gibson. She was the first of our major players to die following the trial. She unfortunately succumbed to her cancer on February 7th, 1930, less than four years later. Her possible husband, the mysterious Mr. Easton, took custody of her body and removed it to the Hamilton Avenue farmhouse. We aren't sure of her final resting place, though. Next, we can move on to our three co-defendants, Henry, Willie, and Francis. Henry Stevens continued living in Lavalette, New Jersey with his wife following a trial, leading a seemingly quiet, unassuming life. He died of a heart attack in Lavalette on December 3rd, 1939, at the age of 70. After the trial, Francis and Willie lived out the rest of their days together in that house on Nickel Avenue. While they never moved out of New Brunswick, they withdrew almost completely from social life. Willie suffered a debilitating heart attack in 1934, which caused him to be a recluse. He could sometimes be seen from a car window as their chauffeur drove him around town, but save for those drives, he never left the mansion on Nickel Avenue for the rest of his life. Francis also withdrew from New Brunswick society for the most part, save for attending church and doing some occasional charity work. Francis Noel Stevens Hall died on December 19, 1942, at the age of 68, and two days later, she was buried in Greenwood Cemetery next to her husband, Edward Hall, who'd been there for over 20 years. Willie Stevens died on December 30, 1942, just 11 days after his sister at the age of 70. 
He's also interred at Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn along with his sister and brother-in-law. Now, in terms of the Millses, they also, for the most part, continued living in New Brunswick. James Mills stopped being the sexton at St. John's in January of 1923 after the replacement for Father Hall arrived. He never left New Brunswick and continued working around the town, living a quiet life. He eventually became a part-time sexton at a different church just a few blocks away from St. John the Evangelist, and he died on November 7th, 1965, at the age of 87, and was buried in Van Loo Cemetery next to his wife. Daniel Mills also stayed in New Brunswick, as far as we can tell, for the rest of his life, though as an adult he did move to Milltown, which is a suburb of New Brunswick, just a short drive away. He continued looking after his father for the rest of James's life, and was the last remaining Mills. He died in October of 1992. Charlotte Mills spent the rest of her life trying her best to outrun the shadow of her mother's death. She lived in New Brunswick with her father and brother for a portion of her young adulthood, working, seemingly bookkeeping, or secretarial work. She never did go to college like Eleanor had envisioned, nor did she marry or have any children. Around 1926, she moved to New York, the only one of our major players to leave New Brunswick, where she tried to strike out on her own, away from the town where everyone knew who she was. In New York, Charlotte worked at Central Savings Bank close to Wall Street and as a stenographer and secretary. It didn't last for long, however. She kept losing jobs as people would eventually learn who she was and her connection to the Hall Mill scandal, and several years later, she made her way back to New Brunswick where she lived for the rest of her life. She died on February 1st, 1952, at the age of 45. She is buried next to her father and mother in Van Loo Cemetery in New Brunswick. And that's the last info dump that we get to give you guys about this case and the people in it. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of bizarre to hit hit the end of the endless fucking pool that is things in this case. Yeah, because it's like by the time we get to the, you know, 50s, really by the time we get to World War Two, most of the people that are involved have died. And by the time we get to the 60s, you know, they're all gone. And I mean, there's a lot of other players in the story, obviously, but as far as important players i'm sure people like minnie clark and what have you like all just you know lived the rest of their lives yeah like i think that is the thing that it's not surprising but it is interesting to me that they all pretty much stayed or like they all just kind of like went back to their life like pre pre trial pre scandal right they just kind of went back to the life that they had and just like kind of picked up the pieces and kept going which is not surprising because it's like if you really think about it what else could you possibly do you know yeah yeah it's either like you don't really have another option other than to just keep living your life as best you can, except for Charlotte and Daniel, right? Because they were so young, like they didn't have a life, you know, already. Mm-hmm. They had to try to make a life after this, which, 
you know, is probably why Charlotte struggled so much to 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 basically get a life, to like have her own life. Yeah, I don't know how this I don't know how this wouldn't follow you around. You know, this is mm-hmm. such a big deal. It, it's it's shocking to me that the Millses stayed in New Brunswick. Really? See, I yeah. feel that way about the halls. I mean, like knowing their like kind of personalities, it it isn't because it's like, well, I don't want to give up. Like, I deserve to be here. I'm entitled to stay. Like, I get that. But if I, I just feel like if it was me, I would bounce if I were her. You're also probably not a murderer, Caitlin, so. <laughs> I, I know, I, but I'm, but I'd be like, if I was Frances Hall and I had the money and I could go literally anywhere, right? Like, she went and was living in Europe for, like, a long time yeah. in between, like, 1922 and 1926. Like, she was going back and forth from the United States to France and, um... Italy and, and a bunch of places where she was staying in Europe, not, like, living there permanently, but, like, staying mm-hmm. there for extended periods of time. Like, if I was her, she could, and she could, and I could go anywhere. I had no kids. I have no husband. Like, I have infinite, almost infinite resources and a passport, and I can mm-hmm. do anything and go anywhere. I would go. Like. I mean, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. I'm more shocked that the Millses don't leave because I don't know like do you want to live in the town that like buried the murder of your mother and wife I guess not but like I just feel like they probably wouldn't have had the resources to go anywhere Hmm. you know maybe it wasn't so much that they like really wanted to stay although I'm sure it would have been difficult to go right you know James Mills was like born in New Brunswick as far as we can tell and he had lived there his whole life yeah and that's where Charlotte and Daniel were born but I just think that it like they probably wouldn't have had the the resources to just pack up and go and their extended family still lived there too right like Eleanor's sisters and where she had some sisters and siblings still living at the time were still living there so like they had extended family too it's not like the Millses had no one outside from their immediate family. They did have some extended family in the area, but it was just the church community that they kind of, that they lost. Hmm. The whole story is unfortunately kind of bittersweet, right? Like, there's obviously no solution to the case. Nobody gets mm-hmm. arrested and locked up and shit like that. Poor Charlotte, like... Cannot be said enough. Poor Charlotte. Yeah. And the other, I mean, James just lives a life and passes and so do the Hall, so does the Hall family. It's, it's crazy. It kind of just becomes something that happened. Yeah. And, you know, by the time enough time had passed where people felt comfortable talking about it, Mm -hmm. you know. All those people were gone. And kind of like Susan Huslidge was saying when we talked to her in the last episode, you know, Catherine Rastel was still around in the, what, like 70s? Yeah. But even then, people were like, well, you can't talk about it, like, with with Catherine. And it had been 50 years. Yeah, it became so, (laughs) so locked up. That information was a no-no. 
Yeah, and clearly all of the missing pieces and all of the things that keep it a mystery, right, are were locked inside these people, and they took it to the grave. And that's why we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's it's crazy. There should be a true crime show about it. <laughs> like this one? Oh, shit. <laughs> you right. They don't need to make one because we're here. Yes. I think something that has always been important to me about telling this story is that, yes, it is interesting true crime, like, morbidly curious. Like, it's a morbid curiosity, mm-hmm. but... More than anything, I think the most interesting thing about this is, like, not the mystery, but the people mm-hmm. involved. And who these people were, why they might have done the things that they did. And that, I think, and that's why I wanted to end this whole series back with the people. Yeah. The, and not just the... Like, the facts of the case, you know, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, these were, you know, human beings just trying to some, like, just trying to live their life. And those desires and attempts to live their life, you know, were in conflict with each other. That is a way to put it, certainly. And so it's like that to me has always been the heart of this thing. It's been about people and people just trying to do, you know, just trying to just live their lives. And two people losing the ability to do so, having it taken (laughs) away from them. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, uh, unless you have anything else to say about the case, do you have any other thoughts, Caitlin? That you want to say? I don't. I think that's it. Just to not forget the humanity of these people. Yeah. You know. And definitely, I think there's some... There's a lot of ways that I think you can learn the lessons that I think you can learn from all of this. But it's a good reminder of some lessons we should learn and some things we should just keep in mind in life and kind of how the world can work sometimes and how it doesn't always work in a fair or just way. Yeah. Um, like, these are people trying to live their lives, like, not in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thank you all so genuinely much uh, for listening. We're at, at the time of recording, I think we're at, like, 700 downloads. 800 downloads. Thank you, producer Aaron, in my ears. Um... <laughs> Thank you all so much uh, for taking the time to listen and hear us shoot the shit about this case that we're all very passionate about. Thank you for listening to a couple of couple of dork actors uh, talk about this awesome project that we got to be involved in and make this awesome project about that awesome project. In terms of the future of this space, uh, keep your eyes out because we do have another 
potential bonus episode coming your way. So, you know, watch this space. Yeah, I'd, I'd leave those I'd leave those upload notifications on. There may or may not be uh, conversations being had, discussions being discussed. Also, don't forget to take a look at some of Thrinkery and Verse's other content offerings, like the Decameron podcast Ooh. and the Ghost Hunt. Ooh. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Johnny... Maybe Johnny and I will find something else that we don't know anything about that we can just you claim know. to be good enough to educate people about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So my point being, watch this space. Thank you. That's how the story goes. And that's how the story goes. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the podcast. That's it. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. When exploring the Hall Mills murder case, of course the primary focus is on Edward and Eleanor. But the cuts run much deeper than just the two of them. Thou Shalt Not explores the perspectives of the women that history often boxes in, misinterprets, or flat out ignores. The show plays off an idea that the trial and case was a circus. circus. Class. Thrilling. Salacious. One hell of a ride. Blatant. Lies. Despicable. Scandalous. Whore. Sexism. It isn't a ghost story. It's a human story. That's how the story goes. If you've enjoyed this Think Reinverse production, then check out some of Think Reinverse's other audio experiences. If the Hall Mills murders are what keeps bringing you back, then you'll love Ghost Hunt, a geocaching radio play adventure all about the Hall Mills story. And if another podcast is what you're after, then give a listen to Decameron 2020, a podcast composed of readings from and discussions about the Decameron and modern-day artists' interpretations and experiences in relation to the text. You can find all of these projects and more on the Thinkery and Verse website, thinkeryandverse.org.